thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's episode of Bible News Radio. I'm your sweet, lovable host. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a minute and let the platforms roll out. If you're watching the archive, if you don't like the music, you can fast forward a little bit. That's Matt Redmond's song, 10,000 Reasons, Bless the Lord. So let's listen to it as we share it out. Get your Bible, too. Get your Bible, people. Hi, Gina. Hi, Wanda. Yeah. 
That's a classic. Love that song. All right. Hello, people. Ah, hey. Want to give a shout out to all of you. Thank you for tuning in. Tonight's going to be a uh, Bible study with Bareface. Ooh, that could be the new name. Bible study with Bareface. So compelling. It is, isn't it? No. Uh, <laughs> no. Anyway. Um, so um, before we get into that, though. Sundays uh, in the scriptures I thought was good. But anyway. Eh. All right. You can have it. So, okay, so I have an earache. So you guys pray for me, okay? Because it's irritating me. <laughs> pun intended. Complete pun intended. It's one of these things. It's like, I don't know about you guys, but I get allergies. Like, and it gets trapped right here. And then I get an earache. Urgh. So annoying. Um, anyway. But yes, yesterday was our anniversary. It went really well. We played pickleball. And then we went for a long drive, and then we saw a waterfall, and then I got... It wasn't that long. It was an hour. It was long enough. 40 minutes. It was felt like forever. <laughs> but we did, and then we had cake and ate it. Cake and ate it, too. Yep. You remember when we got married, we actually saved our birthday cake, the top for the year? The, yeah, the, yeah, the wedding the cake. The top yeah. layer. Any of you yeah, guys ever do that? Yeah, that's apparently tradition passed down to us save it for a year and we were gave we were given good instructions for preserving it for that year to eat on your first anniversary yes you want to know what the trick is i know you want me to share it sure why not so what you do is you wrap your cake in a brown paper bag after wrapping it in plastic wrap right and also aluminum foil and then a brown paper bag Yes, because the brown paper bag, like you would get at your grocery store, that brown paper paper bag, and then you put this in the freezer, by the way, but you're going to get condensation. So the brown paper bag is the thing that actually soaks up the, the condensation. So your cake doesn't end up stale. And ours didn't, actually. No, it was, it, it was it, quite good it after It was a really year. good. After a whole year, we ate the we ate. We're still here. We're not dead. Yeah, you know? It tasted it quite taste, good. It, it, taste, it tasted after fresh. After it was thawed, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. So there's your, you know. Cake preservation tip for the day. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> so anyway, we did that. Um, I want to tell you, Daily Disciples. Um, I have a lineup of people this coming week. It's the same lineup from this week, this past week, next week, this week. Um, it, people in our Daily Disciples group are, have stepped up to read uh a, a psalm a day and i know i got seven people right now but if any of you out there you're interested in joining the team i can have you read i can have more than one person read a day can you believe that i could i could do this i could have somebody read morning noon and night three people a day i could do that um because you know what the bible is limitless you can read wherever you want in the bible anyway uh so if you're interested in doing that let me know i'll add you to the list um, so tomorrow we're going to have my friend Stacy. She's going to read. And then Tuesday, Mary, Wednesday, Bareface, Thursday, Jerry, Friday, Carmen, and then Saturday, Tracy is going to clean up with the word of God. That's right. So if any of you want to do it, all you got to do, this is what you got to do. You got to join Daily Disciples, my Facebook group. Then you got to tell me you want to read and I'll put you on a day. 
and then you got to get yourself on camera whether or not you wear makeup that's up to you don't really care I didn't I didn't this morning and you can tell <laughs> this is what I really look like uh, and then all you do is read the Bible do it however you want yeah I've read like this past week on Wednesday when you said do you want to read on Wednesday you meant every week Wednesday yeah okay well can't happen this week i'll be um oh i'll be at a meeting okay well then uh, from 8 a.m which means i'll hit the road like 7 30 so all right well i'll read if nobody else steps up okay so anyway so that is that you could do that um grover just came over Ugh. white grover white grover i just gave her grover a bath so here he is doesn't he look cute? Oh my gosh, he's the cutest. You're so cute, mister. Yeah, you are. Mm, he's my bubba. You do my bubba, huh? You do bubba. You are my bubba. He's a blind bubba. He did not like the trail we went on yesterday. And he wasn't really crazy about going through the steep stairs and the 900 whatever it was that we did. You didn't like that, did you? Bareface had to... Hold him a little bit <laughs> to get him to get him. Yeah, on the steps, there's actually like a stairway on yeah. this short trail of the waterfall. Yeah, and shorter than our steps. You know, the the surface of each step is not not as wide as our steps at home, and he knows those steps pretty well. It was interesting. You never know he was blind until he gets outside of our house, right? Whereas things are unfamiliar, and, and he runs into everything. Yeah, and in the house he runs into stuff. You guys can see his counteracts. Yeah, hmm. I'm sure they can. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he's inspiring. When he knows the way, he's like he just he wasn't actually afraid. It was just that, it was just that he didn't know. He was trying to stay near the the um the 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 edge because he's used to walking next to walls so that he can you know get himself around. But of course, the edge was a ledge. Yeah, it was a ledge. <laughs> so, he would have fell over, so we yeah, were like... <laughs> not, quite a ways, actually, so yeah. not good. Um, so when it came to the steps, and he just, I could tell he wasn't comfortable, because you know, had to feel each one along the way. So there were people in front of us, behind us, I just picked him up, carried him down the stairs. Yeah. So I want to also give a shout out to uh, Pastor Tommy Norman. I know, I don't think she's tuned in yet, but... Um, but you guys, she gave a message this morning at her daughter's church. And um, if you get an opportunity to go over to Tommy's Facebook page and tune in and watch that message, you should do it. Uh, she was spot on talking about America and, you know, righteous people coming back to the Lord and us fighting for America and our country. Um, because, you know, we're going the way of the dodo bird if we end up going down socialism route. <laughs> Just saying, and I don't know about you, but I don't want that to happen. I don't even have children, but I know you guys do, and you have grandchildren, and, and we cannot leave America. We can't make America a socialist country, okay? Joe Biden cannot become our next president, people. He can't. He just can't, and, you know, if God forbid, and I really literally mean that, God forbid that man become our president, and then die, and Camilla Harris becoming the president. That would be, that would be awful. It would just be 
horrible. And I'm not going to rant about this right now, but I will later. I will say um, our president just lost his brother, okay? And there are a lot of mean people out there, haters, hater, hater, haters, haters that are just so mean. You know, some people are like, well, it should have been him, blah, blah, blah. The hate, the evil in this nation from ungodly, wicked people is palpable. I mean, whatever happened to common decency, you know, I don't care as much as Obama, I didn't like if his brother died or if he had, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't be like trying to curse, you know, him and saying, oh, it was, it was Obama. Believe me, I couldn't stand Obama, but never did I wish him dead or his relatives dead or anybody like that. I mean, it, it, it's just the common core decency of humanity outside of Christ is wicked. <laughs> you know, um, and as I heard somebody say not too long ago, this world ain't getting any better. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light in this world if we're a child of God. And we are the ones that are preserving this country. Make no mistake about it. In fact, I think it was it was this morning. I was listening to Pastor Jack Hibbs. And one, things that, one of the things that he quoted, and I can't find the exact quote, but I guess it was a paraphrase of a quote, that George Soros made the comment that the evangelical church in America is the only thing standing in the way of this 2020 reset that they're trying to do. Hear me, okay? The evangelical church in America is the only thing standing in the way of the reset that they want to do in the world, which tells you something, right? What it tells you is that we make a difference. Yeah, we do. But like Pastor Tommy talked about today, because I've li I listened to three messages today. Um, she talked about when the righteous don't have a foundation, when, when that foundation is torn away and there is no foundation, that society is built on the, on the church's foundation. It's not the government, you know. The church has to be established. And this is the only time in the history of our country that the church has ever been shut down and attacked. And Christian persecution has been going on for a long time. If you don't think this is persecution in America, it is. And what I'm going to tell you is this is how it starts. And if we, the resistance, don't stand up against this tyranny like Jack Hibbs and John MacArthur and others are doing, we're not going to have any rights, right? I, I personally am done. Um, yeah, I mean, I can only do so much. But what I'm saying is that I'm not, one of the, I'm not compliant, generally speaking. I mean, if I have to be, if I have to wear stupid masks to get an eye appointment, I'll do that. But, but by and large, I even walked into the bakery yesterday without a mask on. In fact, it was kind of funny because, you know, I was, Randall and I were going to get a dessert because we didn't go out to dinner, but we got dessert. And uh, I walked into this bakery uh, of a friend of ours with no mask on, and the kid behind the counter was wearing a mask. He's like, you don't have a mask on. I said, yeah, it's in my car. He's like, oh. I go, yeah. And what I thought to myself was, are you not going to serve me because I don't have a mask? <laughs> 
<laughs> he didn't say that. Instead, he said, you know what a dumb rule this is? That you have to have a mask to come in, but if you ate here, you wouldn't have to have it on. I mean, just think about that. This has, like, been six months, you guys. I mean, of all the dumb things that have happened, the masks, the, the painting arrows in stores, you can only go this way, down an aisle. You know what I do? I go the opposite way. Oh my gosh, there's an arrow telling me I can only walk down that way? I'm going to walk like an Egyptian and go down the other way. I mean, come on, people. This is stupid compliance rules and stuff. And it, it, it's, it's just amazing to me the people who, who are just like, Oh, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I am. You do know COVID-19 is mostly recoverable. Right? Like 99.9999999% of people who get it live. <laughs> it's, it's those who are already ill or have a severely, you know, compromised immune system. And if you have a severely compromised immune system, then you're, all, you're, you're ill if you have a, an immune system that way. I personally think that the flu season is going to be really pretty good this year. It'll be pretty, like, won't be as bad because we're all, like, washing our hands but I think what's the problem is, is those masks. When you're breathing in carbon monoxide of your own that you're supposed to be expelling because this is, duh, normal. The articles are showing that people are getting sick from that. So don't do it. Just don't do it, people. Just don't do it. You know, if you can get away with not doing it, don't do it. Uh, anyway, but we, we are the church. And the church is the most powerful institution in the world because we serve a king that is above all kings on earth, right? Jesus is the king of kings, and he is the lord of lords. And these little lords, governors, whatever, senator, house of representatives, rep, whatever, they think they're all that in a bag of chips. But one day, the Bible says, in Philippians chapter 2, one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to be bow, people. Every tongue is going to confess, guess what? That Jesus is the Lord. To who? The glory of God the Father. That's who. And you know what? That's going to be a day that I would like to watch some people, the wicked people. <laughs> They're going to say it. They are going to say it. The wicked are going to say Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You and me, though, we get an opportunity now to say it with boldness and without being ashamed. And I guarantee you, you walk around, you say the name of Jesus. Boy that, boy, that upsets people. But you know what? It's because there's conviction in their heart. They have, you know, a spirit that God gave them. We're the only people made in his image. And we know innately Romans 1 talks about it okay anyway I could go on but you know Bareface has a Bible study too anyway my point is that is my point and and we are the church victorious triumphant you know why because God is victorious Jesus is triumphant he he's the one that rose from the dead you know he he rose from the dead he is alive you know, some people, and my pastor said this today, and I, I was like, yeah, I've heard this before. You know, some people think that Jesus 
died or he wasn't really dead. It was the swoon theory. Yeah, explain that to me, right? He's he's lashed, he's bleeding to death, he's got a crown of thorn on his head, he gets a spear in his side, gets his beard plucked out, but he's somehow living after all that. You know, just saying. You gotta be a complete fool, a buffoon, to actually believe that the swoon theory is like, oh, he was really on the cross, he's still living. And somehow he got off the cross by himself. Okay, he did that. And then they buried him somehow. Well, well, they took him down while he was still alive, even though... And then he walked away, right? He didn't go and get surgery or anything at any hospital somewhere. I mean, <laughs> so stupid. If Jesus lived after all that and didn't die, first of all, we would have to talk to Dr. Luke because do you think he would have attended to him? <laughs> I mean, have you ever even thought of that? And like, that's the, one of the most dumb things any dumbbell can ever say. <laughs> it's just, but anyway, the bottom line is the resurrection happened. Yeah, it did. Yes. And, and Jesus rose from the dead. He established the church by saying, hey, guys. And one of my favorite, you know, passages in the Bible is when after the resurrection, Jesus walks through a wall and he appears to the disciples and um, just kind of freaks them out. Hey, how you guys doing? I don't know about you, but I would have been freaked out. And then he goes and he appears to 500 at one time. So there's no mass hallucination there. Eventually he ascends. <sighs> hey guys, watch this. Yeah, he did. And the Bible says in the same manner in which he was taken, he is going to come back again. And that is where we're at in history, you guys. Look, I believe the rapture is imminent. I believe it can happen any day, any moment, any minute. Right? But until he does, we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to, you know, occupy until he comes. We're supposed to share the gospel with those who need hope. And you know what? Right now, everybody needs hope. That's why you need to be different because you need to walk around like a Bible and you need to, to share God's word. Even if you're not saying it's God's word, declare it anyway. You know, say, hey, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. God didn't come into the world to condemn, you know, the sinner, but to save them, you know, and... Go on and go forth and peace be with you. And, you know, all that stuff. Just, you can't say it unless you know it, right? And people need it. Right, Barb? In Michigan? Because you live in Michigan and you know Michigan's like, you know, run by doubles over there. So, Barb knows. Barb's like evangelizing from her house as an old place, as an old lady who lives and she ministers all over. Hey, don't, even if you're housebound. You know, if you have a phone, you have the internet, you have some way to communicate with the outer world, you can be an evangelist. Don't let your disability or your location hinder you because you could still reach people even if you're at home. No excuses, people. All right, people, I'm, I, I could go on and on forever, but Bareface has a Bible study to do. And, um, but anyway... Also, before he does that, I will say Heart Tug International, that's our nonprofit. So if you want to give to us, please go over to our website, BibleNewsRadio.com, 
click on that PayPal button. If you're already a giver and you want to rechange your, you know, donation from the Bible News one to the one now we have on there, please go do that. Reset it, if you will. Um, and all your donations are now tax deductible, which is super awesome because that means you get a tax deduction. And you can still help us out at the same time. Uh, also, if you need a will or identity theft protection, get in touch with me later. And we can get you all set up with that as well. Okay, Randall is going to talk now about the Church of Compromise, which is currently the church we're living in, uh, the church age. Yeah, it <sighs> certainly is. Do you have any other comments about yesterday or anything? If anybody have any earache remedies that, you know, my ear is bugging me. Well, yesterday was delightful to have a day celebrating us. And uh, even though it was a hot day, it was much cooler than the day we were wed. True. Um, and um, and we were we were wearing less clothing yesterday <laughs> than the day we were wed. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Uh, true, though. I mean, day of our wedding, one hundred four degrees, and you were wearing this. In a huge dress that I'm sure you're having a meltdown, you know. And you know, I was wearing a tux, of course, also very warm, as were our guests, because uh, the AC was out in the fellowship hall where we had the reception, and so we had these fans in every corner blowing. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, I want to show you guys this cake. Check this out. Wait, hold on, hold on, people. Hold on to your hats. Hold this, on to your seats. This was here. my dessert last night. I normally wouldn't share all the junk, crappy food I eat, but that was really good. You see that? <laughs> Cannoli cake. Cannoli cake. That was good. If you ever, if you ever want a good place to eat, then you know you could do this. And this was a little waterfall that we went to. That was it. It, it was no big deal. <laughs> see, I was wearing my Bible News Radio shirt. Mm-hmm. In my in my visor because it was really hot out um but anyway um <laughs> yeah we're we're so exciting we're the we're the harps yeah we are okay wait <laughs> i can't see if there's any comments or anything but um but yeah a cannoli cake so here's the deal if you ever come yeah. to spring hill then you need to go to grecian pizzeria and bakery and bakery because, oh my gosh, you cannot eat, well, Bearface can. I can't eat a piece of their cake in one sitting. I just can't. It's just like, it's huge. It's too big. I did eat it all, but I didn't eat it at one sitting because there's no way. Randall, afterwards, he's like in a sugar coma. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's not very filling. It's a lot of sugar in one sitting. Yeah. But we play a lot of pickleball, so we could eat cake sugar if we feel like yeah, it. No judgment, people. Burning off those calories. Yeah. All okay, right. that's it. Now it's time for Bearface. Well, we've got 30 minutes, so it should be enough. Learned to... All right, for those of you who may be joining us uh, for the first time in this particular study anyway, um, I've been going through the little epistle of Jude... And that's the little book before the book of the Revelation. And 
uh, although it's short and uh, in length, uh, not very many verses, it is packed with with stuff, especially uh, Old Testament history that it is very important to understanding, well, the current times. And so just summing up, uh, quick, if you're not familiar with the book of Jude, uh, just real, real quick review. Uh, Jude is writing to true believers, and he's telling them to contend for the the faith. Uh, the idea is of an athlete training for competition. Uh, you know, like a you know, this is serious stuff. You've got to contend for the faith. You've got to so know the faith. Why? Because there are certain people who've crept in uh, to the church, the church, you know, with the capital C, and to the uh, the fellowship of believers. They've crept in, they've snuck in, and they bring about heresy. Not over, you know, not overnight in a big way announcing, but this incremental stuff and leading people astray. Well, so what? There are a few. No, we give some examples from Old Testament history. Uh, an entire generation was died in the wilderness uh, because they were led astray by false leaders. Uh, false teachers. Uh, there was an angelic rebellion uh, there in very heaven, where you think everything's perfect. Uh, the false leadership of Satan, you know, ended up in um, great calamity, uh, not only in the heavens but on the earth because of that uh, rebellion. And talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, because of, you know, their inclination to sin led to the destruction of those cities and, and surrounding cities as well. And with that, you know, ended up in, I'm, uh, I'm hearing myself, great calamity, great calamity, uh, not only in the heavens, but on the earth. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So then he just starts to describe uh, these people, not only um, their modus, you know, their MO, their modus operandi, that the, what, uh, what they do, uh, how they um, change the grace of God into licentiousness, you know, freedom to do whatever you want, um, that, they, that they end up basically talking about uh, spiritual authorities in a way they don't understand, and they're basically led about by their natural uh, appetites. And then he goes on to describe about um, oh, their motivations, you know, how it is, what makes these people tick, not just what they do outwardly, but goes uh, on to talk about their their motivations. And he says that they've gone the way of Cain, and we looked at that last week. Cain is that 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 uh, religion of self-indulgence that I worship the way I want to worship, whatever is comfortable for me. You know, Cain, uh, even though God had quick, you know, laid down uh, specifically, explicitly, you know, what sacrifice for sin was—that it was animal sacrifice. Because it's a true sacrifice, it's a lot to give up an animal, um, especially like a, a sheep or a, you know cattle, you know, those single birth animals, and to uh, 
to sacrifice, that is a huge sacrifice that calls the seriousness of sin, even though God had explicitly laid that out, Cain, being until the ground, brought his vegetables for sacrifice. Um, it's like, hey, well, this is what this is, this is what I do. You know, I'm a tiller of the ground, so you know, I should bring be able to bring what I wanted. You know, this is worship for me. This is sacrifice to me. And um, but he, you know, missed the whole point of what sacrifice is, and the seriousness of sin calls for a serious sacrifice. Not something you can replace in a few weeks' time or something you're going to lose the side dish for a meal kind of thing. It's where, you know, months of gestation of an animal uh, that you've lost that and its future breeding, its future wool or its future milk, whatever. I mean, it's huge and for good reason. Um, sacrificing an animal isn't to be just nonchalant. I mean, it, it's serious business. Because sin is serious business, but Cain was like, well, I should be able to do whatever I want. You know, this is what's convenient for me. This is what feels right for me. So this is the way I'm going to sacrifice. And God says, hey, if you do what's right, you know, be fine. But he envied his brother, who was approved by God, who was bringing animal sacrifice. And uh, he didn't like the way that true sacrifice made him look bad you know it's like you're making me look bad basically his brother and killed him out of envy murdered his own brother jude also tells us that these false teachers these false leaders who lead people astray says that they had they were consumed for pay and uh, balaam's error or as the old King James says, um, somewhere in here I've got it, um, ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. And so we want to look at that. What does that mean uh, to be consumed for pay or run re greedily after um, you know, the way of Balaam for, for reward? The bulk of where we find out about Balaam, or Balaam, and we'll talk about his name in a moment, uh, is in Numbers chapter 22. So, as we look into the Word of God, which has been written for our equipping, uh, uh, that we might be thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for every good work, that the, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, uh, for instruction in righteousness, um, let us approach uh, the Word of God prayerfully. Father God, you are an awesome God, worthy of every blessing, honor, glory, power, and praise. They belong to you, and we recognize that this, thy Word, which has been preserved throughout the ages, is, is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, that it can pierce bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It can discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Uh, this is a miraculous, divine word. Uh, we pray that um, as we respect it, Lord, that you will um, make our spirit sensitive to your spirit, that we might receive the things that you have for us in it. We offer this time to you to use as you will. Uh, for our good and your glory, we ask in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. 
All right, let's look at uh, the life of Balaam. Numbers chapter 22, bringing up the New King James Version because I can. Your translation may be different. Uh, it'd be great if we could go over the Hebrew, but I'm not that great <laughs> at reading it, and so it takes a long time. So I'm picking English because it's my native language and really my only conversational language. All right. Numbers chapter 22. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak the son of Zippor saw, that, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because there were because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will look up everything around us as an ox looks up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he, who, he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And they said to him, Lodge here tonight. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? God knew, but... <laughs> and so Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me, because I shall be able to overpower them and dry them out. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab arose and went to Balak and said, uh, Balaam refuses to come with us. Uh, then Balak sent again, again sent princes, more numerous and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly. I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. 
I'm going to stop there. So we have this, this prophet, Balaam. Um, scholars believe that his name is made up of Bel, or, which means not, is a negation in Hebrew, and Am, which means people, so not, not of the people or not the people. Um, so he's probably not an Israelite, um, because, you know, those people, uh, the descendants of Israel, of Jacob, uh, they had been in Egypt for four generations, for 400 years they'd been there, and the great exodus, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, um, you know, uh, some estimate over a million, uh, because we're given the book in Numbers, this book of Numbers is called Numbers because there's a number of, the people are numbered, so many from this tribe, so many from this tribe, so many from this tribe of Israel. And and the numbers of men, we count up like 600-some thousand. So if you add in, in women and children, we're probably talking over a million people. That No wonder Balak, the king of Moab, saying this people covers the earth. I mean, if you saw like a crowd of a million people coming across the land, and Moab sets up a little higher, there's um, uh a little higher in elevations to come across the plain. I mean, you look down and you're like, what the heck? No wonder. He says, you know, they're like, um, um, and he, doesn't he say that they're like, um, well, he says, you know, they're coming. Uh, they're going to lick up, up everything around us. You know, they're, they're just, they just cover the earth and they're, they're too mighty for me. So there's this, there's this prophet of, of fame, uh, you know, uh, a diviner, someone who has apparently the spiritual gift of prophecy, even then. Um, but he's not of the Israelites, but he knows who the the true and living God is. And so he has this reputation, whoever he blesses is blessed, whoever he curses, he curses. So this king of Moab says, hey, there's this prophet of fame, um, he gets together a delegation. Hey, go tell this guy. We've got all these people coming from Egypt. Um, hey, they wiped out the, the Amorites on the way. And that's a whole nother thing, but rich history there. Anyway, they're coming up. They're covering the face of the earth. Um, you know, will you come, will you come curse this people for me? So, Balaam, he, I don't think he knows who they are. I mean, he just knows that this great people come out of Egypt. He hears it from uh, Balak and, um, well, the, his his emissaries, you know, his ambassadors. And so he's like, oh, okay, well, um, and he does right. He says, let me, let me ask the Lord, see what he says. And so he seeks the Lord to... Um, uh, you know, hey, these these guys come down from the king of Moab. They want me to, they want me to curse the people. And and you know, what do you say? And God tells them, no, don't curse these people. They're blessed. Uh, don't go with them. The, you know, these basically my chosen people. And you're not to not to interfere. Don't go with them. And um, because uh, you know, basically I'm behind them. I'm with them. I'm for them. You're you're not you're not to curse them. So he does write and sends them back, uh, you know, this, this emissary, these ambassadors, these princes of the king. He says, um, 
no. Um, God says, no, I'm, I can't do it. Um, says the Lord has refused me, uh, to give permission to go with you. So sorry. So they come back, bring word to the king and says, Hey, if he wouldn't come with us. And so he sends some, you know, more princes, more numerous and more honorable than the, you know, a lot more influential, carrying a lot more weight, probably more wealthier. And they come and say, Hey, the king really needs you. And I'm, I'll give you whatever you want. You know, I'll pay you whatever. I'll do whatever you say you need to come. Now think about this. Think about the response here. Um, we're going to focus in on verses 18 and 19 here. Verse 18, then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. So far, so good. Hey, look, didn't he say, I, last time, last time the king sent some people here, you know, I inquired of the Lord. He says, no, you're, you're not to curse these people. They're blessed. They're blessed by me. Don't go back with them. That's it. And he's like, okay, I won't. Hey, God has refused to go. You know, refuse for me to go with you. And um, so they come back with a little more pomp and circumstance and uh, probably money and say, hey, the king says, whatever it takes, whatever you ask, it's yours. And he says, hey, though he give me the, his house, the king gives me his house full of silver and gold, I can't do what the Lord has not allowed me to do. <laughs> but then catch the next verse. Verse 19. Now, therefore, please, leave me alone. Go back to the king and say no. No, he says, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Huh? Hey, Lord told me last time, don't go with these people. You send them away. You're not to curse the people. They come back and say, hey, the king's ready to give you anything. Whatever you say, you know, he'll give it to you. And it's like, well, hey, even though he give me a house full of silver and gold, I really can't do beyond what God has said. But stay here tonight and I'll inquire and see if the Lord has changed his mind, basically. I'll see if he says anything more. Um, you know, the Lord had clearly told Balaam not to curse the people. And he says he can't go beyond the word of the Lord, but then invites them to stay the night. He doesn't say, hey, go back, forget about it. He's like, well, stay the night and let, let me, let me go see if God will change his mind. You know, I, I can't do anything more than the Lord has said. So let me see if he will tell me more, you know, a new revelation, now, let's put it into a little, little more, you know, contemporary circumstance. If someone offers you a high-paying job at a company that distributes pornography, okay? How many of you know that you don't have to pray about that? <laughs> Stacy raised your hand, right. You don't have to pray about that. God is pretty clear on, you know, on pornography. And, uh, you know, and the dangers of it, the destruction of it, uh, that it's, that it's, um, you know, it's, it's not in his will. It's out 
outside his design for sexuality. It's fornication, uh, porneia in the Greek. Um, we would get a word pornography. Um, God's views on fornication are pretty clear in Scripture. I don't care how much the job offers. I don't know. I don't care how much you think it might be a mission field. Uh, you don't have to pray about it to see what God would say about it, because God is God has spoken. It's pretty clear, and so we're not to, um, you know, participate in it. We don't have to pray about it to see what God would. We know it's pretty clear, and God was pretty clear with Balaam. Don't curse these people, and don't go back with the king's people. And it should have been done, and. And he starts out that way. It's like, well, hey, I can't do anything more than, you know, hey, even the king gave me all this gold, silver. I, I really shouldn't go, but stay stay here tonight. Just just camp out and stay at my place tonight. And you know, I'll, I'll go back to God and see if, I don't know, maybe he's changed his mind. Um, Compromise. You know, it's like before it was easy enough to send the people away. Hey, tell your king, Lord has refused me to go. Now they come back, hey, king will do whatever you want. Anything you say, he's going to give you. It's like, wow, you know, even if he gave me all the silver and gold, I, I shouldn't do it. But, you know, just, just hang out a while. Because, you know, God may change his mind. Let me pray about this. Um, No. I want to look at some other scriptures here. Um, you know, this idea, we should do evil, the good may come of it. Um, let's look at, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, verse 14, um, let's see this title here, inserted in this translation, Flee from Idolatry. And idolatry, of course, is putting something else before God, you know, serving, having something else that you worship. Um, and Paul writes, therefore, my, well, you know, therefore, when you see therefore, you should ask yourself, what is it therefore, therefore? And so I'm going to go back up a little bit. And well, I'm not going to read this all, but Paul brings up, like Jews, some examples, <laughs> some historical um, examples from the Old Testament where people compromised and destruction came of it. And so, verse 12, there's another therefore. And he says, therefore, let he, him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will allow you to who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And somehow this gets twisted in Convernac and said, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's, that's not in Scripture. <laughs> the Bible does say is that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able um, God doesn't tempt anyone, but he will not allow you to be tempted because he'll make a way of escape. There's always a way of escape to get out of that temptation. Well, the temptation was too great. I couldn't, I couldn't, there's nothing I could do. Um, there's a way of escape. Um, 
Balaam had a way of escape. He could have just done like the last time. Wow, you know, this is really tempting. The, the king is saying, you know, I'll give you whatever you want. I mean, that's pretty tempting. You know, before it was just, you know, God said, no, don't curse these people, send them away. And, you know, they're going to pay me. They, they came with the diviner's fee, it said. I don't know what that was customary in that day. You know, maybe it's like whatever you pay somebody to, you know, mow your lawn or, you know, service your water heat or whatever. You know, there's a diviner's fee. Here's here's a diviner, a prophet, you know, a, a holy man of the day. Whatever you would pay him, you know, whatever the fee is. They came with a diviner's fee. But this time they're coming back and the king, king says, hey, whatever you say, he'll give you. I mean, sky's the limit. There is no limit. Come curse these people. And it's like, dang. <laughs> That's a lot more tempting. But what's different about, you know, what's changed? Is this God changed his mind? Was God, No. It's, so there was still a way of escape. He's like, well, no, the Lord told me not to. It, it was, it didn't take any more effort to say the words. God says, no, get away from me. Go back to the king. I'm not going to do it. It was like, no, God said I shouldn't do it, but hey, stay the night, and and I'll, I'll you know, I'll talk to God. I'll, I'll pray about it, and then and well, maybe maybe He'll say something different this time. And you know that was he had the same way of escape as before, but he's like, stay at my place, stay the night, and I'll I'll pray about it. In other words, let's see if God has changed his mind. Make yourself comfortable. Let me entertain this thought that the king will do whatever I say. And and this could be, you know, we're not talking a diviner's fee anymore. We're talking good money. Anyway, I'm commentating too much. Let the scripture talk. Um, Paul writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. A commentator? Just 10. You're commentating too much? Yeah. Really? Says, therefore, my beloved, <laughs> says, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat the sacrifices partakers of the altar? And he's talking about the priestly service that they were allowed to, you know, because they serviced priests. And um, anyway, uh, in summary, there was this issue of, in, in Corinth, where there's this idol worship going on, that there was a sacrifice to idols, and people had their, you know, one foot, in the church, basically one foot in the world. It's like, yeah, we can, uh, we can, you know, we can fellowship with the church, but you know, in our in our day jobs kind of thing, we have to we have to go to these these pagan idols and be part of these sacrifices and stuff. And just well, we 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 won't sacrifice ourselves, but we we hang with these people while they're uh, doing their sacrifices. You know, we gotta we gotta kind of blend in and be, you know part of the crowd we don't want to be too conspicuous and, uh, and paul's like um no are are not those who do sacrifice and partakers of the altar? what am i saying that an idol is anything or what is offered to idols anything 
no, I'm not getting into legalism or anything like that. That that you that uh, the sacrifice of the idols themselves are any big thing, but rather the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we greater uh, than he? He puts it another way. Again, writing the Corinthians, who obviously had a trouble with um, compromise and, and you know, being of the church and being of the world, being carnal Christians. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial or, or the devil? Of what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We're going to go over a little bit, just so you know. And I want to pop out here and just uh, see what comments I'm missing, if any. Um, I should probably pull up the Periscope broadcast. There's a way that I see view broadcast. There it is. Yeah, so I can see what's going on in terms of. Uh, seems sometimes I miss them over on Twitch. I get to talking, and then there'll be this whole conversation that is. Uh, gone on between the viewers and and I'm part of it. So anyway, just want to take a break for that. So this this area of compromise that that yeah God says this, but I can do a little of this. Yeah, it's not what it doesn't line up with what God has said. It doesn't line up with His word, but. Hey, you know, you know this is too good to pass up, and there should be no question of this. Uh, Balaam's response should have been the same as the f first time when God revealed, "No, you can't curse his people. Don't go with the king's people. You know, send them away. Don't go with them because don't curse his people." Um, but. But he's like, hey, stay the night and let me ask the Lord. Maybe, you know, like, see if he says anything more. Um, now, you may be familiar with the uh, the account there in Numbers chapter 22. Um, and you think, well, wait a second. Later, God told him to, to go with the people. Um, and then God's upset with him. Let's look at that. Verse 20. And so, you know, Balaam had said, Hey, uh, stay here tonight, and, and I, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Because 
because what he said before, you know, wasn't 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 clear enough. Um, I'm, let me pray about this. God is gracious. God came to Balaam, Balaam, uh, that night and said to him, "If if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to that you shall do." So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. And and I'm not going to read uh, the whole thing, but uh, Balaam goes out, and we read that God's anger was aroused because he went. It's like, wait, didn't he just tell him to go? Um, yes, but he had told them not to go before, don't curse his people. There should have been no question about it, but he was tempted. He was tempted by the the potential reward that the king was going to give him anything that he asked. Like, well, maybe God has changed his mind. And um, God gives him these strict parameters. If if they call for you in the morning, um, even though you just told them that, hey, I can't do anything more, the Lord restricted me, but stay the night. And, um, you know, they might have thought, this, this, okay, this is a waste of time. Let's just it out, but no, they stuck around and they called for him apparently in the morning and he went, or maybe it, they didn't and he went anyway because God put the condition that if the men call for you, the men come to call you, rise and go with them. And but it doesn't say that they did, it just said Balaam rose in the morning and uh, sat his donkey and went, and the Lord's anger was aroused because he went. Uh, maybe they didn't call him. Maybe that condition wasn't met. Maybe they decided, okay, this this is this guy isn't going to cave. Let's just go back. But um, uh, maybe that's it. And so God puts this warning this way: the the angel of the Lord, which scholars and I believe um, that the angel of the Lord refers to the pre-incarnate Christ, the pre-incarnate Messiah. Um, appearing on the road and trying to get him to pay attention and even puts human words in the donkey's mouth and Balaam has an argument with the donkey and which is interesting donkey notoriously stubborn and um, at least he's stubborn as a mule which is the offspring of a horse and a donkey right? Did I get the right? I'm not into animal husbandry. <clears throat> anyway, and so this thing uh, ensues where God permits him to go. He says, you better be ta paying attention to me and what I'm saying to you. And he goes about, God puts blessings in his mouth. Even though every time the Balak, the king, says, oh, let's try this over here. You know, and again, Balaam should have said, "No, we're done." I'm <laughs> only should I not have been here in the first place? The veins of the Lord had a sword drawn and and tried to stop me. You know, we just tried this thing, and blessings came out of my mouth. Not let's go over here and try it again. And if you read where they went, where he was supposed to pronounce these these curses, were in, were in the high places of Baal. Uh, you know, basically an idol, a demon worship. He went to these places of idol worship to to go bring a curse. And, you know, he shouldn't have been in the first place, 
but as soon as blessings came out and cursings, he shouldn't have given it a few more times. As the king said, well, let's go try this over here. See if you can curse them from over here. I mean, it was always this, he was willing to, you know, see if things would change, if God had changed his mind, and, you know, keep keep rolling the dice until they came out the way he wanted them to come out. Um, speaking of Balaam, the way he wanted it, the, the, you know, that he might get his whatever, he might ask whatever he wanted of the king, get his reward. So these false teachers that Jude warns about, are of the same ilk, the same motivation. Um, they know very well what the Word of God says, but they'll keep, you know, praying about it and, and seeking new revelation and, and and until it comes out the way they want it, you know, the way that gets them the new car and the, you know, and the private jet and, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever reward uh, that the world will give them. You know, well, God has said this in the past, and that should settle it, but we need to pray about this, and, you know, until it comes out our way. Um, and there's another um, scripture that I wanted to share with you. Um, oh, that's what it was. It was in Nehemiah chapter 13, where uh, Balaam comes up again. I don't know. Do I want to go down this route? Because... I don't want to get into, yeah, why not? I'm over time anyway. We'll go there. We'll go there. Um, Jeremiah, or Nehemiah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, chapter 13. Uh, on that day, and if you're familiar with Nehemiah, this he's come back to uh, survey Jerusalem. This is after the Babylonian captivity and looking at building it and then... You know, the people been in captive in Babylon uh, for more than a generation, and then they're coming back to restore Jerusalem and rebuild it. And um, anyway, and they come upon the book of the law, you know, the book of the Moses, the Torah, Pentateuch, and and they read it. And there's this, there's this. There's a simultaneous kind of like worship and, and sorrow as they read the book of the law. But so, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, gosh, harp, Nehemiah, on the day that they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and then it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when they heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. So what's going on here? Um, the, the Jews had come back from Babylon that... Um, they had come back into Jerusalem, rebuild it, <laughs> met up with lots of opposition, and there were people, uh, non-Jews, who were not with with them in terms of spiritually or or um, or you know spiritually or ethnically, and you know 
kind of in there hanging out and and they're you know rebuilding Jerusalem and uh you know looking at rebuilding the temple and so they read in the law that uh no Ammonite nor Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God um and so why is that first of all let's think about the Ammonites and the Moabites uh Ammonite these are the descendants of Ammon Ammon was the son of the incestuous ra- relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. Uh, and she called the son born then Ammon, or my people, or, um, uh, or Ben-Ami, uh, son of my people. And so the Ammonites, uh, um, is the uh, Hebrew word for people, the Ammonites are descendants of that. Uh, Moabites, uh, descended from Moab, Moab means seed, and that was the name that Lot's other daughter gave to the son that was born to her after the incestuous relationship between her and Lot, uh, her, her father. And uh, after they got him drunk, and uh, it's just it's just real bad beginnings. If we look at Lot and the way he compromised and going to Sodom, pitching his tent towards Sodom, and eventually he's sitting in the gate. Uh, he's he's well embedded with the leadership of that wicked town, and God was merciful and brought him and his immediate family out uh, before those places were destroyed. Uh, but then we have this afterward. Uh, the His descendants through his daughters and um and just this whole sort of history of lineage of just just not good stuff and when when the israelites the hebrews came out of egyptian captivity and were making their way um um the king of moab uh, and the Ammonites as well, because they're in the same area, uh, Ammon and Moab. Um, they had, um, as we read their new Numbers chapter 22, hey, these people are coming, and and basically we, <laughs> and rather than these are sort of distant relatives, and we should help them come back along, no, we should curse them. We don't want them coming in here and... Um, uh, you know, messing up our lives. And so there was this pronunciation from God through Moses that, that no Ammonite, no Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God, you know, not be a, in fellowship with them, not that they should be kicked to the curb and, you know, uh, extradited or, you know, you know, excommunicated from society. No, they shouldn't come into the assembly of God uh, among God's people. Uh, because they did not meet the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Uh, even though God turned the curse into a blessing, um, but so it was when they had heard the law, they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. And this is just not an ethnic thing and an apartheid thing that um, uh, they, you know, they were all about. You know, uh, you know, it wasn't about um, uh, eugenics or anything like that. It's like 
these these people are not of the same mind. It's not like they threw them out of the city and they said, don't, you know, don't come back and we're not worthy to, no, they should not come into the assembly of God and that they separated the mixed multitude from Israel. And... And it's like, well, well, that's not true in the New Testament. And, you know, we're in different times. The Jesus ate with sinners and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, okay. But he didn't, he didn't participate in their sin. Um, 1 Corinthians 5, you want to go back there. Um, Paul says, you know, when I told you not to, to basically have fellowship with with drunkards and revilers and all that sort of stuff, I didn't mean that you should not do that with people of the world, because then you have to go to the world. But if anyone is named a brother, and you know is is habitually in his lifestyle, that don't even eat with such a one. Um, so when it comes to the the assembly of God, when it comes into the not the church AOG assemblies of God but but you know the the church the, the people of God not to bring in this this compromise it is uh the church is for believers you're not supposed to bring elements of the world in to make it more more comfortable for sinners and more comfortable for people who aren't saved to be you know so they feel <laughs> what we have to compete with the nightclubs and stuff like that that you know so they just feel just as comfortable and just as comfortable in their sin inside the church as they would outside the church. Um, no, and and that's something that um, Jude is warned about here when he talked about the way of Cain. Worship that was you know comfortable to them. Church of self-indulgence. That this is the way I prefer to worship. Yeah, God's word may say this or whatever, but this this feels more right for me. This is more authentically me. Um, you know, this, this is what I want to do in church. It's the church of me. And then there's Balaam who knew the word of God. God had told him uh, how to conduct himself, but. When there was, you know, when the temptation got a little too much, you know, that the king would give him whatever he wanted, he's he's ready to sell himself out. You know, uh, gosh, you know, we could, you know, we could really grow this church. You know, we could really expand if we, you know, we brought in money from, you know, I don't know, <laughs> the Hugh Hefner Foundation or whatever, you know. You know, or, you know, if the government gave us all this money, you know, we could really do some things. And if we could, you know, or this, you know, or this, whatever, you know, um, you know, that somehow let's bring in, um, ill-gotten gain, you know, and use it for good. Let's do evil that good may come of it. You know, because this is too, this is, you know, this is a lot of money to pass up, people. We could really do some ministry with this. If, if we, you know, we, we can compromise on this and, and, and you know, well, God, you know, we're under grace. We're not under the law. We're under grace, you know. Um, Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. And I think all things are expedient. Not just because they're legal doesn't mean you should do them. You know, just because you could doesn't mean that you should. Um, there are things that 
um, that are definitely not godly, not biblical, and will get us into trouble. You know, if we give an inch, they'll take a mile. And so, um, and it, it led to, while, while God took over Balaam's mouth and had blessings come out instead of cursings, um, because he said, you're not to curse my people, Israel. It's not going to happen. And even though the king of Moab conspired to do so and hired Balaam to do it, it still didn't happen. Um, you know, God's purposes cannot be withheld from him. It still isn't something that Balaam should have been involved in because God clearly told him not to do that. I was just typing that. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a sin thing. Um, suddenly these comments are popping up in Periscope. Uh, another proof the Bible is real. If you wanted to fake it, it's not that way. Yeah, yeah, going back, yeah, with Lot and his daughters. and Well, because they thought, well, we're the only people left on earth. That was their reasoning. We need to, we need to, you know, we need to propagate the human race. And this obviously tells you what, how, what the darkness was like and, and where they lived in Sodom, that they didn't really, how self-centered that place was. Felt compelled to leave my last church, finally, because they sing about the reckless love of God. Um, yeah, I struggle with that, especially modern worship. Um, there are some good modern worship songs, but some of it is just so me focused. It's, yeah, I felt like I was trying, it was the thing about God whenever, yeah, God's love is not reckless. It's, reckless is a bad adjective. I mean, it's abundant it's it's overwhelming it's it's um you know it's um as john writes behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of god i mean that for god the holy god to bestow upon us this love that is sacrificial love, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What what manner of love is that? I mean, if if I were God, I mean that that would be that would be irresponsible. I mean, that's just like how could you how could you love sinners? How could you love people? enough you know god demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us i can see how you might look at that as like unfathomable um maybe certainly unfair um from a human perspective just abundantly gracious you know, a love we didn't deserve, when we deserve judgment, uh, God puts his judgment upon himself when the word of God, the living word of God, took on human flesh. Uh, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's <laughs> That's nothing we would ever do. I just... 
that's just so overwhelming. That's abundantly gracious, abundantly merciful. Um, yeah, the 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 amazing grace of God, the amazing love of God. But yeah, reckless as in terms of irresponsible. Um, or no, God's love is um very purposeful. Unfathomable, awesome love of God would be more appropriate. I, I agree. Totally. Um, yeah, and there, there, there is language in some of the, the modern worship songs. It's like, uh, maybe I get the sentiment, the point, but... I think it's being a little reckless with language. That's being a little irresponsible with, or that's being a little irreverent, perhaps, is the word I'm looking for. So yeah, I'm with you there. And um, so, <clears throat> kind of offensive, God, I think, right? And so, yeah, obviously, Jude, um, Jude filled with Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, to talk about, uh, let's explore this for the yellow, um, yeah, that um, in not only what was going on in his day with certain people had crept into the congregation of believers, but it's continued to happen, it continues to happen, where there's this, again, it's never, a, it's never, okay, we're changing things up, we're going, we're going the way of the devil now. It's a little bit, let's, let's play with the language a little bit. Just, <laughs> again, going back to Genesis chapter 3. Nothing new under the sun. Satan, you know, the serpent. Has God said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? You know, it's, and it's this, this subtle, it's this play in words and you know, eventually, then you end up your whole generation lost in the wilderness. Um, and so much of the Bible through songs, chorus from my youth. I wish they still did that. Yeah, where scripture was, scripture was the part of the hymnology of the church, where we just sing scripture. Yeah, good stuff. You know, some of those, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't become a believer until I was 21 years of age. Um... But, um, so, and I grew, you know, and I, you know, basically in my, grew up, you know, as a, as a young adult, uh, in, in the non-denominational modern church. And it wasn't until, you know, a few years into the church that, uh, went to a congregation where these hymns came up and, um, yeah. Um, but even, even, you know, going back to like the eighties, um, the modern songs, like the, you know, the Calvary Chapel songs and stuff like that, uh, you know, the Maranatha songs and, you know, some of the vineyard stuff that they, a lot of that was a scripture in the beginning, you know, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. And stuff like, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. You know, yeah, just 
they were psalms and things like that set to modern melodies and but um but you know it seems like over the years we've gotten to this i'm so wonderful i'm you know i i am blessed i am loved I'm all this that you say that I am, and I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, and oh, I'm so blessed, and I'm so, you know, and I feel so good, and I'm so loved, and I'm, uh, yeah, true, but it's a little bit, a little bit of an I problem there, a little too me-focused, and what did I do? Did I just close something? I think it did. I accidentally closed the the YouTube tab there. Hopefully I'm still streaming over there. That'd be a bummer if I killed it. I guess I'm just because I'm not monitoring there. Well, we'll see. Um, hmm. Okay, still live. Oh, good. <laughs> of course, uh, killed the chat and everything like that. Good. Anyway, so man, almost half hour over. But I think hopefully that you're getting the gist when, 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 um, when Jude is writing to believers. It says, hey, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. You need to train like an athlete. You need to know uh, the genuine article uh, because there's people that are coming in that are twisting things. They're, they're, they're leading people astray, and if unchecked, it's going to end up in disaster for lots of people. And um, and we've seen it over the years and centuries. Um destructions of destruction of churches and ministries by those who who crept in and and incrementally um brought about heresy and led a bunch of people astray and so we see that that they've gone the way of cain that church of self-indulgence uh they've gone the way of you know they like balaam basically sold out and sold out for reward um you know it's the church of compromise that's gone on and uh, next week we're gonna look at uh, the rebellion of Korah and uh, how that plays into not just what was going on in the first century but in the modern Christendom today so with that I should uh wrap this thing up and uh uh, let you people get on with your evenings. And uh, if you're watching replay, get on with your day, whatever it is. So, again, thanks for hanging with me. Always good to be in the Word of God. Um, be in the Word of God daily. Uh, join us in the Daily Disciples group on Facebook if you're not there, uh, where we get into the Word daily. And... As always, we will encourage you to to be bold. Stand up and go with God. Don't go with the king of Moab's, you know, 
uh, ambassadors, whatever, don't go with people saying, no, we can, it'd be okay to compromise on this because something really good would, no. Um, go with God. Be bold, stand up, and go with God. Why? Because he loves you. He's not looking to, um, you know, uh, buy you off or, you know, sell you out for his own purposes. Um, because he loves you. It's for our good uh, that he he teaches us the way in which we should walk. Good night. God bless.